Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. In the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil, I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you into your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Make me your vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. You are breaking new ground. Bring new wine out of me, Jesus. Bring new wine out of me, cause where there is new wine, there is new power, there is new freedom, and the kingdom is here. I lay down my old flames to carry your new. Bring new 
wine out of me Jesus bring Well, thank you for being with us today. I'd like to close with the benediction found in Romans chapter 11. And Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways! For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us today. Have yourself a great week and go today in God's power and God's peace.
Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Kelly at Ebenezer. Uh, it is fantastic to be uh, with you here this morning through our online ministry. I'd like to just invite you to join us here uh, as we start off with the time of worship. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand, I start to fall All those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground when the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting Like a blessing buried in broken pieces every minute every moment where i've been where i'm going even when i didn't know you couldn't see it there was jesus for this man who needs amazing kind of Forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay I'm not perfect so I thank God every day There was Jesus Ooh. In the waiting, in the searching In the healing and the hurting Like a blessing buried in broken pieces Every minute, every moment where I've been, where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it. There was Jesus. There was Jesus. There was Jesus. Jesus. 
God in my thinking, God in my speaking, be my everything, be my everything, be my everything, be my everything. God in my hoping, there in my dreaming, God in my watching, God in my waiting, God in my laughing, there in my weeping, God in my hurting, God in my healing, be my everything, be my everything. Everything be my everything. Christ in me, Christ in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. You are everything. Christ in me, Christ in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory, be my everything, 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 be my Christ in me, Christ in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory, be my everything, 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 be my everything. Our service will continue in just a moment, but first of all, I have a few announcements that I'd like to mention. Today is July 11th. That's a huge day in the, in the life of our, our province and in the life of our church. That means that all government restrictions are lifted. So if you'd like to join us for our live service, physical distancing and masking are no longer required. Now, having said that, we realize that there are many different levels of comfort when it comes to these things. 
So we've designated our balcony for those who would still like to maintain distancing and masking. Now with reopening, we're excited to let you know that parts of our kids' ministry are also opening up. Our children are still more than welcome in the worship service and there are activity sheets available for them in that space. But we're also opening up the nursery, kids' zone, as well as the hospitality centre, which will be available for families. So we're open, without restrictions, and we have options for those who are, and, and we have options for those who are still feeling a little more cautious. Either way, we're ready for you to come back to a live service and we'd love to see you here. The next announcement I want to mention has to do with the Global Leadership Summit. That's taking place August 5th and 6th. Now many of us have really appreciated the leadership training provided through the GLS in past years. Now Monday, July 12th, is actually the last day to get the early bird rate of $99. After that, the price goes up to $169. Big difference. So if you're interested in, in taking part in that event, please contact the office at 306-249-0084 and let them know that you'd like to be, to be involved in that. Now, lastly, with reopening, we're needing volunteers, especially in the areas of greeters and ushers, as well as in sound and media in terms of helping with the tech. And again, you can contact the office at 306-249-0084. We're so glad that you've joined us this morning and our heart and our prayer for you is that you'll just enjoy the, the ministry of the service here today and that you'll meet the Lord in the midst of that time. I'd like to invite you at this point in time to just join me in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for the fact that it seems that we're moving through this time of restrictions, that it appears in, in many ways that there's a bit of an end to this pandemic that so many of us have, have struggled to endure. And Father, we want to thank you for this time of coming together and and being able to open up in so many different ways. We thank you for the, for the freedom that we're experiencing now that we've not experienced for what seems like so many months. We're grateful for your provision in this time, but we don't want to forget those who have um, faced significant challenges during this era as well. And we want to pray for those who have been compromised in terms of family, in terms of, of work, in terms of, of perhaps future, things being unknown and Lord we want to bring those needs before you today asking that you might undertake and that you might just um, pour your grace out upon those who are looking for it at this point in time. Give strength we ask, uh, give encouragement we ask and we pray that you would just build those up who are looking uh, for that encouragement even at this point in time. More than anything though Lord we are so thankful for the freedom that we experience because of Jesus. We thank you that because of Christ we can stand before the Father and we are spotless. We are thank you that, thank you that Jesus removed all of our guilt and shame uh, when he did his work at the cross, that transforming work. We thank you for freedom from sin. We thank you that sin no longer binds us. And Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, we are a part of your family, we are a part of your people, but we are also a part of your mission. And so we ask that you might Give us the Spirit of God to just see needs around us, see opportunity around us, and to join you in whatever it is that you're doing um, in terms of expanding your kingdom and, and spreading the good news of who you are. This morning we want to pray for uh, one particular opportunity that we have in the church, and that's for kids' ministry. I ask for your strength, for your grace, just for your empowerment, for those who are hosting VBS, um, for kids and for families. We pray that they might, they might encounter you, that they might be touched by this opportunity, and that their lives could be changed and so we just commit that time to you asking for your work to be done in that. Thank you again for the opportunity to gather. Thank you again for the use of technology and 
this past season would have been so different had we not had that resource. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. For thank you for the opportunity that we can be together even in this way today. And right now, I just want to pray for Pastor Layton. I pray that as he comes and as he shares your word, that the Spirit of God might be at work in th through him, empowering him, and that we might soften our hearts and open our hearts and minds to what you would want to do in us and, and accomplish in us through this time. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you in that way, just praying for your good work to be done, giving you praise for your kingdom, and thanking you as well for the amazing freedom that you have given us in Jesus. We ask all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Summer Classic Series. This summer at Ebenezer, we're going to walk through 11 classic Bible stories that many of us have learned as kids, either at Sunday school or vacation Bible school, or maybe at home with your parents as they read from the children's Bible, or maybe you've even learned some of these by watching VeggieTales on TV. But regardless of your familiarity with these famous stories, there actually is great value in us digging into these stories with fresh eyes and with open hearts. Today, we're going to look at... Uh, story of Zacchaeus. Now, how many of you are familiar with the song that we played at the beginning? <laughs> I, know, I know that I certainly am. I think my aunts taught that to me as a young kid. And, and my two main takeaways from that song were, were this, that Zacchaeus, really, Zacchaeus was a really short man and that he climbed a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus. However, uh, as you're going to see this morning, there are more significant truths for us to see in the story that we should and, and can apply to our lives today. Although, if you are short and can climb trees, well, more power to you. Now, Zacchaeus' story is really a window into the human heart. It's only recorded in one of the Gospels, uh, Luke chapter 19. I'm not going to read that passage today, but you're welcome to turn there and follow along as I tell the story. Now, even though the children's song makes Zacchaeus sound like a Jewish leprechaun, he really was a real person who had an, a genuine and personal encounter with Jesus. Back in the first century when Zacchaeus lived, the average height of the Jewish man was believed to be about five foot three, so about up to my shoulders, which is not very tall. And, and since the Bible points out his vertical challenges, I think it's safe to assume that he was probably shorter than average, which is why he wasn't able to see over the crowds. But despite his diminutive size, Zacchaeus was a very rich and powerful man. The Bible tells us that he was a tax collector. And not just any tax collector, but he was the chief tax collector. Again, back in the first century, the Romans heavily taxed all the nations under their control as a way to finance their great world empire. No one liked these taxes, but the Jews especially opposed them because they supported a secular government and its pagan gods. However, there were Jewish people like Zacchaeus and like Matthew as one of the twelve disciples who were lured into the trade of tax collecting because of the money that they could make by doing it. Now Zacchaeus again wasn't just any tax collector, he was a chief tax collector, which meant he was in charge of others as well. And as a chief tax collector, 
In the eyes of the Roman government, Zacchaeus was a loved and respected employee who brought in lots of money. But in the eyes of the Jewish people and other commoners, he was a hated and corrupt man who gained his excessive wealth by stealing from them. Well, one day as Zacchaeus was working at his office booth, there was all of a sudden a great, huge commotion around him. People began to run to the road that passed through the city because word had come, the prophet Jesus had arrived at the city gates and was about to travel through the city. Now let me pause here and just give you a bit more context to Zacchaeus' encounter with Jesus. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and he was traveling with a group of pilgrims to celebrate the Passover feast. And Jericho was a common stopping place for travelers on their way to Jerusalem. Most people found it important to rest there before continuing on the final leg of their trip, which is about 15 miles uh, uphill through a notoriously dangerous road where people would often be ambushed and robbed. Even Jesus acknowledged the danger of this stretch of road in his parable about the Good Samaritan, which our summer intern Will is going to look at in a couple of weeks. Now Jericho was also a very wealthy city. That's one of the reasons that in the context of the story that we learned that a blind man and other people who are on the margins of society would sit on the outskirts of the city begging for money. It was referred to as the jewel of the desert. And over the years it had become a large trade center and many wealthy merchants carried on their business from Jericho. Even King Herod built a retreat center in the city and would use Jericho as a winter capital. Although the crowds did not know this, uh, Jesus was almost at the end of his ministry on earth. He knew that the future, what the future held for him and he realized that this would be his last time in Jericho and his last trip to Jerusalem. In just a few days, Jesus would be arrested and falsely accused and brought to trial, unjustly convicted and sentenced to die by crucifixion. But in the eyes of the people, Jesus was a celebrity. For almost three years, he had been in the public eye and his numerous uh, miracle, mirac miraculous healings and profound teachings were widely known. He had stood out uh, from all who had come before him. In fact, the crowds continuously said about Jesus, he's like nothing we've ever seen. He teaches as one with authority. Many, many times Jesus had demonstrated his power over nature and over the demonic realm and over physical sickness and disease. And he'd proven beyond any shadow of doubt that he did have the authority to say the things he said. Like the time we told the lame man that your sins are forgiven. Jesus uh, really was a living legends, legend. And both the Jews and non-Jews from every walk of life flocked to him to listen to his teaching and to be healed from the, their sicknesses and diseases. A couple of weeks ago, uh, prior to this, Jesus had healed uh, 10 men of leprosy, which was amazing because there was no cure for that disease. Those that got it were, were given kind of a life sentence. And then last week, or the week, the week before, Jesus had raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. He was in front of a, a large crowd in Bethany, and Lazarus was already, had already been in the grave for several days. Apparently, this miracle really ticked off the Jewish religious establishment. And even they had to admit that if we allow Jesus to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him and take away our place and nation. It was at, at the meeting that these religious leaders had that they got serious about their plans to murder Jesus, to silence him. Then, uh, this day, the word in the street was that Jesus had mercy on a well-known blind beggar who always sat at the same spot along the side of the road just outside the city. 
Jesus had completely healed and restored his sight. And it was just amazing and crazy stuff. So, so yeah, it was a huge deal that Jesus was about to enter Jericho. And it's no wonder that the crowds of people ran out to the main road just to get a glimpse of the man who had the power and authority of God. Zacchaeus joined the running crowd, but by the time he got to the main street, the crowds had already uh, gone several people deep, and him being vertically challenged, he wasn't able to see over the crowd, and so he had to come up with another plan. Now, I'm not sure why such a man of power and wealth did not push his way or, or bribe his way to the front. Some authors suggest that in a congested crowd like that, he would have put himself at risk of being stabbed by a dagger. That's how despised he was. But something inside of him really, really wanted to see Jesus. And so he did something very unbecoming of a man of his power and wealth. He ran to a sycamore fig tree that was alongside the road, and he, he scrambled up it. I'm, I'm sure it looked awkward because those trees are big and awkward to climb. Now let me just pause the story here, and let me draw out a couple of, uh, uh, out a key part of the story that's worth us pondering more deeply. And that is this, that the, the God has placed inside every human heart a desire or this innate curiosity to know Him. Romans 19, 19 puts it this way, the truth of God is known intrinsically, instinctively, for, for God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 puts it this way, that God has set eternity in the human heart. In other words, within every human heart, within every human soul, is this God awareness that there's something more than this short-lived life on earth. And that awareness causes even the richest and most powerful people to instinctively know that true fulfillment cannot be found in money or possessions or power or in other people or experiences. Rather, it can only be found in the one true transcendent God of the Bible. This was the case for Zacchaeus. He had great wealth and power, but inside he knew it was not enough. Now, why is it this important? Is this an important truth for us to ponder today? Well, it's because I think there are, there are many people in positions of influence around us, in arts and entertainment, in the sports field, in the media, and in politics, who are trying to convince us that those around us have no interest in spiritual matters and that the belief in one true transcendent God is outdated, unhelpful, untrue, and even harmful. This is simply not true. So, so don't believe it for a second. Your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates and teammates all have a built-in desire to want to know the truth about God in eternity just as Zacchaeus desired to know. For though Zacchaeus was very powerful and wealthy, his riches did not meet the cry of his empty heart. And this is still the truth of humanity today. As the famous theologian Pascal wrote almost 350 years ago, that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each human, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. And that leads me to a second connected truth from this story that we probably should ponder more deeply. And it's this, that God is at work in people's hearts even when we don't see it. I'm not sure if they still do this, but in my high school yearbook, the yearbook editors would write captions for each of the graduates. 
And many of those captions began with the words, most likely to or, or least likely to, and then they filled in the blank. Well, if they ever would have written a caption for Zacchaeus, it would have been, probably have been something like, most likely, likely to become a millionaire, or maybe least likely to become a follower of Christ. You see, on the outside, it appeared that Zacchaeus had chosen his life pathway. Although he had Jewish roots, and, and he, in fact, his name even meant pure or just, even though he's anything but that. And although he would have probably been brought up in, in the church of that day, and been given a spiritual foundation to build his life upon, at some point he rejected the ways of God to pursue money and power and became a tax collector. In the eyes of his Jewish brothers, Zacchaeus was a traitor. He was a cheater, nothing but a turncoat. And he was despised and hated by the Jewish community because of what he did and because of his association with Rome. On the surface, he was nothing more than a cold-hearted, greedy crook who uh, would happily step on or over anyone just to make a buck. The Roman government called him a chief tax collector, but the Jewish community would have referred to him as the chief sinner. That's how low he was viewed in their eyes. But even though that's how he was seen by others, it was not the truth of his heart. You see, God was at work. And he was about to do something remarkable in Zacchaeus' life that would draw him back to God. I've seen this uh, very thing happen time and time again in, in my life. I've seen many, many least likely to become followers of Jesus Christ. People who have become followers of Christ. Why? Well, because God has placed eternity in their hearts. And because God is at work in the hearts of people, even when we don't see it. I could tell you a story after story of the Zacchaeuses of my life who on the surface seemed completely disinterested in the things of God. And now they are adopted children of the Heavenly Father. People like Duncan and Jim and Chris and Nicole and Kathy and Lindsay and Derek and Todd and Richard and Greg and Dan and Steve and Darren and Shane and I could name many, many more. You see, God has placed eternity on their hearts. And God is, was at work in their hearts of, of, of those people, even though we didn't always see it. So, if you know of people who appear to be far away from God, but are dear to your heart, don't give up on them. Because God might want to do something great in their lives. Okay, back to the story. Zacchaeus ran to the sycamore fig tree near the road and, and quickly climbed, climbed it. These trees were, were very large, and they're often filled with leaves. I'm sure Zacchaeus thought he had found the perfect spot, great sight to the road where Jesus would walk, but safely hidden and secluded from the eyes of the people. And so there he sat in his own private box waiting for Jesus. Now, we're not told of all the details, but there's little doubt that the crowds would have been noisy and enthusiastic. I imagine the event to be, have a parade feel to it, with people lined up on both sides of the street, waiting to get a glimpse of the man who claimed to be God. And then to everyone's surprise, especially to Zacchaeus, Jesus stopped underneath a tree where, that Zacchaeus had climbed. And he looked up directly at Zacchaeus, like eye to eye, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus! In my first day or two at Briarcrest Bible College, as a young 18-year-old freshman, I was walking on the sidewalk with a group of other newbies. 
And uh, in the distance, we could see the founder and president, the revered Dr. Henry Hillebrand, walking our way. Immediately, and almost in unison, we all stood up just a bit taller as he approached. And when he passed by, he greeted us. He said, good morning, men. Good morning, Leighton. <laughs> I was both honored and, and surprised and shocked. I had no idea he knew my name or would even recognize me. Well, I'm sure Zacchaeus felt that same way, but a hundred times over. And Jesus continued, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. You see, the truth is, Jesus knew more than Zacchaeus' name and location. He knew everything about him, just as God knows everything about you and me. Psalm 139 gives us a window into the vast knowledge of God. It says this, David writes, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it, Lord. You see, Jesus knew Zacchaeus. He knew that Zacchaeus was one of his lost sheep. He was fully aware of all that was stirring inside of Zacchaeus' heart. He knew the thoughts of Zacchaeus' mind, the things that he was wrestling with, the, the things he was doubting, the lies he was believing, the unsettledness he was feeling, and even the loneliness and hatred that he was experiencing. You see, Jesus knew everything. He knew Zacchaeus' sins, how he had chosen to walk in the ways of the world instead of walking in the ways of God. But he also knew the life that God had created him to live. You see, while Zacchaeus may have been searching for God, the spiritual reality was that Jesus was the one that was actually seeking after him. And that brings me to a third great truth from this story. Jesus is not only at work in people's hearts, He's actively seeking those who are spiritually lost, broken, and confused. Jesus' mission on earth, as we read at the very end of the story in verse 10, was to seek and save those who were spiritually lost, people like Zacchaeus. So it was no accident or coincidence that while on his way to Jerusalem, knowing what was in store for him there, that he noticed that he had time for that he had compassion for, that he had grace for someone like Zacchaeus. Because Jesus' deepest longing and greatest joy was to bring salvation to Zacchaeus and to his home. And I might add, his greatest longing is to bring salvation to your life and to mine, to our homes as well. You see, that's God's mission. That's why he sent Jesus to earth. That's why Jesus endured the cross. So that, his so that in his physical death, we would have spiritual life. And by the way, this is always how, how it happens. You know, we might think that we made the first move towards Jesus. We might think that we found him. But it's always Jesus who makes the first move towards us. It's always him who finds us and he wants to reveal his character to us. He wants to shower us with his love and grace which is something that we all need. And so never let your background or the choices you have made in life, even choices that have pulled you away from the ways of God and separated you from this holy, loving God, never let those, those things close you or keep you from experiencing God's salvation 
and his perfect preferred future for your life. You see, experiencing the goodness and mercy of God is, is never out of anyone's reach. Anyone and everyone can experience the love of God. What we learn from this story is that, that Jesus can, can heal our past, that he can change our today and he can influence our future. And he's the person who can give us a sure hope for eternity with him. Okay, let's go back to the story. Jesus' instructions to Zacchaeus um, when he saw him up in the tree were twofold. First he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Now sometimes there's an urgency to God's call. And we don't want to miss out on the opportunities to meet with God when we're giving them. 2 Corinthians 6.2 puts it this way, For God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now, and today is the day of salvation. You see, God longs to show the world who He really is. He longs to display His great power. He, he lo longs to, to display His great love. He loves to, to extend His compassion and mercy and grace upon humankind. And any time we're fortunate enough to get a glimpse of the greatness of God, that's the time to act. Not the next day, not the next week, not the next month or next year, but now. Zacchaeus didn't hesitate. He scampered down the tree. And it says in the Bible, with great excitement and joy, he brought Jesus to his home. Now again, we're not told what happened as they talked. I imagine at Jesus' request, Zacchaeus invited all his friends, because that's what Jesus tended to do. And, and the people in the religious community outside didn't like it at all. They were angry and they were critical, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Have you ever wondered why Jesus insisted on going to Zacchaeus' house? You know, he said, I must be a guest in your house today. Well, I think for a few reasons. First, because in, in that culture, eating with someone communicated that you accepted them fully. And Jesus wanted to... Uh, wanted Zacchaeus to know and the people know that he fully loved and accepted Zacchaeus despite his shortcomings. <laughs> Pun was intended there, by the way. And despite his past decisions and choices. Second, I think Jesus also wanted the community to know that salvation is, is for all. It's not too far for anyone to find their way back to God. And then third, I think he actually wanted to point out to the religious leaders and people around them the knowledge and good works alone does not bring enlightenment and salvation. You see, they knew the truth about the Messiah, but they missed out on the salvation that he offered. They missed out on their opportunity. What we do know about this encounter with Jesus was that when Zacchaeus emerged from the house, he was a changed man. It says that Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated anyone, uh, people on the taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Now, without going into a lot of detail, what Zacchaeus declared went well beyond the laws of the land and, and, and even beyond the Jewish laws of the Old Covenant. And that brings me to one final observation that's worth further attention. And that is this. A true encounter with God always results in a changed heart and changed ways. Zacchaeus 
reaction reveals the remarkable change that, that, that the conversion had on him. The Bible describes this transformation of the heart in a couple of ways. The prophet Ezekiel describes it uh, in the Old Testament this way. It says, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you and I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul describes it like this. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You see, God longs to bring salvation to your life and to your family. He longs to restore yours and my inner brokenness. And when we truly encounter Jesus, He will turn our heart of stone into a heart of flesh. That's because a changed heart always equals a changed life. And a changed life equals changed values and behaviors. And God wants to use our changed hearts and lives and values and actions to bring glory to His name and to help bring healing and restoration to the brokenness of the world in which we live. And even today, or maybe I should say especially today, when the world is, is so critical of the church and some of the historic wrongs and injustices that we have been part of, our response should be tangible. It should not just be words, but our actions should show the sorrow of our hearts. God has placed inside every human heart a desire or innate curiosity to know Him. God is at work in people's hearts, even when we don't see it. Jesus is not only at work in people's hearts, He's actively seeking those who are spiritually lost. And fourthly, and finally, a true encounter with God always results in a changed heart and changed ways. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this, uh, this story of Zacchaeus, this, this wee, wee little man who you transformed to be a man of God. And thank you for the, in this story we can see your pursuit of us. And we just, we just sit and awe and say, thank you, Jesus, that you would love us enough to pursue us. And help us to be like Zacchaeus and to, to respond immediately when we have a, an opportunity to understand who you are. Because we know that any time that we have a glimpse of you, a glimpse of your greatness and your revelation, that it demands a response in us. So God, uh, speak to us today and, and convict us. If we do not know you, help us, to, help us to come into a relationship with you. If we have walked away from you, help us to come back to you. If we need to respond and, and restore some things in this world because of the brokenness, help us to have the courage to do that and obey you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.